chat about it. Good morning, Flagler County. This is Danielle Anderson, your host of Lifeline, the radio show connecting you to positivity right here in our community. And we have some of my total favorites in the studio this morning. Um, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Thanks good. for having us. Thank you, Danielle. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. So um, if you want to go ahead and let's start introducing yourselves to the audience so they can get to know you. Good morning. This is Sheila Pilot. I'm the Vice President of Resource Development at United Way of Volusia Flagler Counties. You may also hear our name as Community Foundation and United Way of Volusia Flagler Counties because we do a multitude of things for the community so that people can give in a way that is meaningful to them today as well as for future generations. That's awesome. Good morning, Danielle. This is Linda Moran, and I'm with Women United Flagler. I'm the president this year of the organization. I'm a volunteer here in the community. And I'm such a fan. Just uh, fangirl. (laughs) I'm Savannah Prince. I'm the program lead at Flagler Open Arms Recovery Services. You might hear us known as Flagler Oars for short. And I'm grateful to be here with you all this morning. So we're really excited because you guys have a super cool event that's coming up next week. So who wants to kind of dive in and tell everybody about it, and then we'll talk about, you know, kind of the organizations themselves. Well, this year, the Women United Flagler has um, established a new uh, initiative, and we call it Women United Presents. And this is an opportunity to provide an educational series for the community, and we focus on wellness, family, health, and well-being. And this is going to be a free event and about every other month, so we'll, we'll have six of them this year, and our first one is coming up on February 8th, and that's what we're here to talk to you about, and we're hoping the community will come out and um, participate in the event. It's a free event, and we'd love to see you out there. It's going to be at held at Warm, which is out by out in Bunnell, out uh, on Justice Drive, and it will be on February 8th, uh, 5.30 p.m., Till 7 p.m. So is this going to be like a class where people are sitting down and they're, they're getting education or what's going on with this? Well, our first one is going to be um, focused on Save a Life You Can with Narcan. And then Savannah is going to tell us more about uh, Narcan and, and the current opioid crisis. But what we're trying to do is educate the community. So there's it's going to be a little interactive Um and people can come to the seminar. We, we do ask them to sign up on our site so that we have a feel for how many people are coming because it is uh, seating is limited. So will folks be doing demonstrations of Narcan uh, when they're there? Savannah, tell us a little bit about, okay, so we'll just like jump back to it. For people who don't know what Flagler Ores is and what it's about, can you give us a little information? Absolutely. So our mission is to bring substance use disorders uh, out of the shadows. So we really focus on educating the public, reducing stigma. We offer peer support services for adults um, with substance use disorders. And we do policy advocacy on a local, state, and national level as well. Um, So anything surrounding substance use, we are subject matter experts, is what we like to say. Um, And our educational series that we're doing next Thursday is how to use Narcan, how to respond to an overdose, how to recognize warning signs. And we are so excited that this community is being so receptive to this service. And our Narcan distributions have just increased steadily. Uh, Last year, we distributed 16,000 kits of Narcan. And just this month alone, we've had two reported uh, life-saving reversals. That's awesome. So how long have you been in Flagler? 
So our organization started in uh, 2019, and we did not receive funding until 2001. So we're a fairly new organization, but we have grown astronomically in these last few years. You know, I know, I remember back in like 2010, you know, 2012 around there when when there was a drug epidemic, you know, we were seeing a lot of really bad things happening. Um, and it seems like our community has really kind of taken a lead, maybe even in our state, as far as saying, hey, listen, we want to tackle this and we want to put an end to it. What are you seeing? Uh, we're seeing uh, a lot more community involvement. Organizations like the ones with us here today are getting involved in, in helping again, uh, educate people and reduce that stigma. Because what we're seeing is, like you mentioned, there's an uh, epidemic and people are dying every day. We are seeing an increase in fentanyl use. And most of the time, people don't know they're using fentanyl. It takes a minuscule amount to overdose and potentially die. And Narcan is effective on fentanyl. Is it? It is. And, And it's so important that people know that. And what we've seen alone is... In 2020, here in Flagler County, 38 people responded and used Narcan prior to EMS arriving on an overdose scene. And in 2022, 53 people responded before EMS. So now we're getting community members who are more engaged, they're more educated, they're more responsive, and we are seeing lives being saved. And man, I just got goosebumps, you know, (laughs) but but that's our goal. Pam's been out here preaching, you know, have a kit in your house, have a kit in your car, you know, be prepared just in case you never know when you're going to run into somebody like that. Right. And the American Heart Association actually uh, is now releasing material and their instructors are teaching people that you need to use Narcan in tandem with CPR. It's just becoming a norm. It's becoming a life-saving measure. So when we think, oh, we don't need Narcan, we don't know who would need that. Um, it's not about knowing somebody who would need it. It's just about being able to respond in case somebody does. And I think that's so important for people to understand. So you may not know the answer, but I understand that it's really expensive if you were to buy it at a drugstore, but you guys are giving it out for free. Yes. So just this year, actually, you can now buy Narcan over the counter, um, but it's still $50 a box. And you only get two doses in a box. And um, what we're seeing is, especially with fentanyl use, you might need more than two doses. You, let's say somebody spends $100 for four doses. I mean, most people can't afford that. Um, so thankfully, uh, with a grant that we have through the Department of Children and Families, we can give it out for free, and you could have as much as you would like. So, Linda, why do you think the the thing the, the perception has changed? You know, because before, people just kind of pushed people who were in a a situation like that to the side and said, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to be a part of it. And now we're we're more responsive. And I think that uh, education is the key here. Um, Personally, I was in the category of, well, that doesn't apply to me. But the more I saw it in the news, and uh, Linda Sanders, one of our Women United uh, past presidents, she uh, stopped at the Oars booth at at um, one weekend And she learned about it, and she came to me and said, we need to do something about this. And I said, I'm the first person that needs to be educated because I don't understand how it applies to me. Here's some of the things they uh, told me that really hit home. They said sometimes elderly people forget that they took their medication. They take it again and accidentally overdose. Now, wouldn't you want to have Narcan in the house? in case that was going to happen. 
Uh, they mentioned that sometimes elderly people drop pills on the floor by mistake and grandchildren are in the house. These are situations I never thought of. I say, what is the harm of having this in my home, uh, in my car, and having it in case I need it? Let's do it. And then, then the next thing is, let's educate people on it, myself, other people. We need to understand this uh, crisis and understand what we're going to do about it. So what, do you feel like, because it seems kind of like there's a certain demographic economically that this would be uh, more geared to, but do you find that the affluent communities are more willing to embrace this concept of it, it could happen to anyone? Especially people who have gone through um, uh, pain, okay, pain medication, right? Uh, a, a large number of the people I interact with have had knee replacements or shoulder replacements, hip replacements, and they are sent home with narcotics, and they are sent home in pain in some cases. And sometimes it doesn't handle the pain, and they may accidentally take too much. The, uh, I think the biggest perception to change in people's minds is that we're not necessarily talking about the drug users that we are... Stereotypical. Stereotypical, thank you. Uh, those are not the really people we're talking about here. Um, so this educational opportunity, I highly encourage everyone to come to our Facebook page. Uh, we're Women United Flagler Chapter on Facebook. And there's the event, Save a Life You Can with Narcan. It's on February 8th. And please click the link, sign up, come out to Warm. Uh, we're going to have Warm give us a, a little speech on what they do and what services they provide uh, out there. So you're going to learn a lot more of what goes on in our community as well. So it's going to be great. So, And Sheila, when you're working with the Community Foundation, you guys work interact with um, SMA Healthcare, right? Correct. They are one of our funded partners. And that was kind of the um, impetus, I guess, for us to say, hey, this is more than just making sure people in the community have Narcan. It is an epidemic. It is something that we need to be concerned at. And that's how United Way approaches things in the first place, is we look at what's going on in the community. What are the concerns? What are the problems? What are the issues? Who are the people that can help us solve these problems and concerns and issues? And that's where we work with a variety of people, including our Women United Affinity Group, is a great way. They are like our hands and feet in the community, and they have a pulse on so many things that are going on in the community that they can say, hey, Sheila, this is something that United Way might want to be a little bit more involved in. We, we have our involvement with SMA because they are a funded partner, and we do a lot of um, things through mental health with them. Opioids, it, it might be mental health related. It might not have anything to do with mental health relate, related. As Linda so very well pointed out, it could just be they have had a surgery and they're reacting to that, and it could be completely accidental. Uh, but at the same time, if there is a bigger issue, is there a way for United Way to be involved? And that involvement might be finding partners to provide funding to, or it might be connecting to nonprofits together to come up with a solution. So I kind of look at United Way as a connector, whether it's with dollars or whether it's with other types of resources um, through Women United, through uh, Generation Impact, whether it is connecting ores and warm, you know, those kinds of things. So that's how United Way gets involved in the community is really just being a connector and figuring out 
what is our role? And sometimes our role is connecting people and then stepping back and letting the magic happen. And sometimes our role is something different. So do you see an end to this epidemic? I mean, I know it's hard to, to predict something like that, but do any of you see it? So Pam and I, our executive director, always say we wish we could work ourselves out of a job, right? We wish we weren't needed. At, that, at this time, we're not seeing that. But the beautiful thing that we're seeing is the community coming together. Uh, just like this event that we're doing together, we're seeing more people respond. We're seeing a connectiveness that we've never seen before and a solidarity in the community where now we could talk about recovery-friendly workplaces. We can talk about the beautiful aspects of recovery, and recovery doesn't have to become such a negative connotation. Um, and I think that is the beautiful aspect that we are seeing here in the community. You see now so many more people who are willing to say, hey, I'm in recovery. And it's like people you never would imagine. And, and you see them and they're, they're proud like of every single step they've been able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm in recovery. Everybody in our organization is in recovery. We're a peer-led organization. And like you said, we're, we're all proud of that. And the support that we see in the community here today is just like nothing in the years before it because there used to be such a stigma and such a oh well don't say that out loud um kind of kind of mentality and you know we do live in a small county but um i think flagler county has the potential to be innovative in this field so people aren't getting written off anymore right that's pretty cool all right we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about what a little deeper into what these organizations do and then just uh we'll be right back And Flagler County went straight to the front row when it came to the need and commitment. Free for All Friday, where local newsmakers talk it out. I mean, we don't swing from chandeliers or anything like that. That half-cent sales tax that we have collected over time has been used in great regards towards our school district. Hi, I'm David Ayers. Join me and Brian McMillan every Friday morning following the news at 9 on WNZF and worldwide on the Flagler Radio mobile app. So we're back with the United Way and ORS, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how do these folks get the funding? Where does it come from? And what are the statistics? So, Sheila, we were just talking about Alice, and most people don't know Alice beyond, um, what is it, Final Destination? or um... so, so, yeah, so Alice is an acronym, and um, everybody knows Alice. It stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. These are people who are working. Um, but are living paycheck to paycheck. They are one or two paychecks away from a very dire situation. Um, And a lot of people, I think, would be interested in knowing that Flagler County, their ALICE rate is 43%. This is the, I've been in the county for about five years, and this is the first year since I've been here that the ALICE rate is actually higher in Flagler than it is in Volusia now. Why is that? So um, as more families are moving into the county, the demographics in um, Flagler County is adjusting, <laughs> and and while overall the demographics are still trending fifty years old and older, there are a great number of families that are moving into the county, um, just because the county itself is just it, it's booming, and so um, we are just seeing a lot of young families that are 
the jobs that are available to them. So this also goes back to what jobs are available in the in the county. Um, that they tend to be hourly. They tend not to have full time hours a lot of times. And so their work is a little more tenuous. If they don't work, they don't get paid. They're not getting vacation time. If their child is sick, they're having to take time off. They're not getting paid. And so it puts them into a different tax bracket. And and when they are not able to um, pay their bills, then then they face eviction, losing a car, you know, becoming homeless. Are they going to uh, live with a, a friend, and so what we call couch surfing. You know, this week they're at this person's house, and the next week they're at somebody else's house, and next month somebody else's. Um, because, or are they? There are no shelters in Flagler County. No. Uh, so where where are they going? Um, and so that's one of the things that we talk a lot about in United Way is the Alice population because these are the folks that if we can give them the building blocks for a stronger. Um, lifestyle, education, financial stability, health, then that will lift them to a place where they're not having to worry about working paycheck to paycheck. These are people that don't have a savings account. If their car breaks down, they don't have $400 to pay for something on their car. How are they going to get to work? Because if they, then if they don't get to work, <laughs> it's just this never-ending cycle. How do we break that cycle? So a lot of people would say, okay, 43%, that's not that, you know, what about the other 57%? They're not at Alice. True. However, if you look at single-parent households, that number just went way up. But probably, I think it's for Flagler County, over 60%. What about fam- the families that are uh, with a, a female that is head of the household? That number is even higher than males that are head of the household. And so these are some really interesting numbers. What if your child has a disability? Really high with those families. And so we really want to help people in our community have the the basic building blocks of a successful life. And that starts with education, financial stability, and health. And while United Way does much more than that, those are the main focuses. And so as far as fundraising, we really do um, ask people to support um, United Way to help others, you know, kind of close those gaps, open opportunities for them so that they can have a successful life so everybody in our community can thrive. Do you know like what um, types of jobs or industries are really hitting in that Alice demographic? Because even like teachers are, and uh, firefighters and police, yes. you know, those are hourly people. Exactly. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. They're like, well, I'll, I don't know Alice, just like, you know, how Linda was saying, well, Narcan, this might not affect me, but it, but it could. Same thing with Alice. We know Alice uh, workers. They are in our restaurants. They are in our salons. They are, you know, early teachers, early firefighters, or first year, you know, rookie policemen, because they, even if they're not hourly, hourly, their salaries are lower. Right. And so you can even have a family, let's say it's a family of four. Um, we actually have a, a case study. The mom is a, um, a teacher. Dad is a um, firefighter. Two kids, one in preschool and one in school. They, it's feasible for them to only make seventy five, eighty thousand dollars, and you think, oh, somebody's making forty thousand dollars each. That doesn't sound bad, but you get two people who are making forty thousand dollars each. That's eighty thousand dollars for four people. If you're spending more than thirty percent of your income on housing or rent, you are most likely an Alice at, at, at the Alice population. And in this particular case study, that is the situation, is that they are actually an Alice family. And you're thinking, well, they're making $80,000. How are, how are they affording a home? 
and two cars and insurance and everything else that goes along with that. Like I said, they, these are not people that usually have savings accounts, so they can't ha- they they can't handle an emergency that comes along. So how does the community kind of help support those families or even support agencies that are, are supporting them? So when uh, we go to various people in the community, whether it is a, a business, uh, for example, Publix or Intracoastal Bank, those are so two of our, our larger uh, corporate donors. Uh, and when I say corporate donors, that's a little bit of a misnomer because both of them do, those two specifically do donate to United Way as a corporation, as a business. But Publix, for example, 65% of what we receive in donations from Publix come from their individual associates. We're talking baggers. We're talking people who are working, people who are Alice. Isn't that in? Yes. <laughs> so like my daughter works at Publix and they all donate and they all have like, I think they're close to 100%. Yeah. And I understand Intercoastal Bank is um, 100% employee donor yeah. um, to the program. Yeah. And so um, so when we say that, you know, they're a corporate, we a better way would be to say they're a corporate partner because only a, a portion of what they donate to us comes from the, the business. Most of it comes from the individual employees and they're supporting what's happening in our community because they have a passion for helping people be successful in our community with those dollars that we raise. Then we have a community impact cabinet. Uh, these are all volunteers. There's also subject matter experts in education, financial stability and health, and they decide where the dollars go. So it's not staff that decide where the dollars are going in the community and nonprofits apply for the funding the cabinet reviews them and then makes a determination on whether or not they're able to receive funding and and how much they will also receive. Once an agency receives funding, then every quarter they do report back, this is how we're using the money. This is how we said we were going to use it. This is indeed how we're using it. And these are the outcomes that we're achieving. That's amazing. And so there's a lot of accountability that comes with those dollars as well. And so when people make an investment in the foundation in United Way, we want people to, to feel that trust that is being used as as they said it would be used. I, I think that it's also important to know that as we are giving out dollars, we really do think about um, where is the funding going to um, benefit the most people in the community. Right now, about a third of what we give out into the community is actually going into Flagler County So, from our community impact grant pot of money. And that is one pot of money that we give money from there are other pots of money but that's the biggest pot of money with united way and about a third of that goes out into right into flagler county and if you were to ask me well how much money is raised in flagler county it wouldn't be 30 percent or a third or anything so um you know i think that that says a couple of things one the need is really here in flagler county secondly there are some really great organizations doing some amazing work and we and when I say we, United Way and the foundation really <laughs> believe that they are doing great work, which is why they receive the funding. We know they can do what they say they're going to do with the dollars. And it's just like with the Women United Flagler. I mean, how many how many grants do you guys give out per year? Well, in the past, we um, last year we gave out over $33,000 in our grant process. Um, in the future, what we'll be doing is our the money that we raise from um, – Power the Purse, which is coming up, uh, will go into the Community Impact Fund. Okay, so the money will go out through the same process that um, Sheila just described. Um, more of that money comes back into Flagler than comes from Flagler. So I think that's a important point that uh, we're not overlooked as a, as a county. We're actually getting a, a lot of support. Um, 
Can we one, bump it up to 50-50? Yeah. <laughs> We're working on that. <laughs> one of the things I like to point out is that um, not everyone uh, wants to take their time to analyze and um, uh, investigate where they want to donate funds to. That's where United Way comes in because United Way is going to do that background checking and, and um, ensuring that the money is spent in the right places to, to properly impact our community. Um, so, again, the trust is there, and um, that's why I'm a strong supporter of United Way. And you have been part of it since the very beginning. Well, Women United Flagler was established in 2009, and I was a part of it then, and we still have some of our original members. Um, and we're still going strong. We encourage people to join our group. Um, we're enthusiastic about helping our community. Uh, our big fundraiser is Power of the Purse. That's coming up on April 15th as a luncheon, and, and that will be at Hammock Dunes Golf Course. And uh, tickets are still available? Tickets have not even gone on sale yet. Oh, wow. So we're, <laughs> tickets will be going on sale probably in about a week. And I'll look for it on Facebook, Power of the Purse Flagler. Savannah, are you any last words before the big event next week? This week coming up. Yeah, this week. Uh, we just hope to see everybody Thursday. Uh, Linda explained how to access the Facebook page, so please go register. Uh, we look forward to seeing everybody there and answering any questions. Uh, and if you need anything in the meantime, please uh, follow Flagler Ors on social media for updates as well. And they can find the event there on, on your Facebook also? Yes, absolutely. Just remember, it's no charge. It's Tell us the date again. It's going to be February 8th, 5.30 p.m. at uh, WARM. Project WARM, and that's at, at the SMA Healthcare um, in Benel, right there on Justice Lane, uh, just over the railroad tracks. All right, we'll see you guys then. Thank you to uh, Flagler Oars for sponsoring the show, WNZF News Radio, and Flagler News Weekly, and we'll see you out there in the field.